0: Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about doing the first line of introduction, saying your name, and passing it to your co-host. I'm Brandon.
1: And I'm James. And today we're going to be talking about the action framework that moves the cascade. What is your YouTube channel?
0: I don't know if we talked about that last week. I don't know if we have either. Um, My YouTube channel is just, uh, it's Brandon Leone Gambetta on YouTube because I I was using the Dr. Captain Cobalt branding and then was like, I'm not honestly sure that Dr. Captain Cobalt is more recognizable than my own name. And so like, why not just be under my name? Uh, Sure, yeah. I would give a link to it, but it turns out that links on YouTube, I think you have to get to a certain number of subscribers to hit the point that you can have a, have a specific link. Uh but we'll link to right, it in well, the in the show notes, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, or find some way to retweet or a video or something so people can find you. Yeah, it's
0: just channel slash UC4Z. <laughs> uh if you look up Monday Masks in quotes, I'm sure you'll find it. Which is kind of like the bigger draw of what's going on. I've got uh I have four videos up there. There's one that I might end up taking down because it's bad. Uh, But there's a Companion's Tale unboxing, which is pretty decent, if way too long. Uh, Mm -hmm. Why I love Masks A New Generation, and uh, why you should get players on the same page before running your game. Yeah. And actually, this comes up tomorrow, so there will also be one more Masks Monday, where uh, I'm talking about pruning the playbooks at your table in order to get a more cohesive, uh, specific kind of story.
1: Yeah, helping people like lock, lock lock in what playbooks they're looking for. Yeah. Based off of what they want to play and what you want in your group and stuff like that. Exactly.
0: Like if you're doing nice. a cosmic game versus a street level game, it's just so radically different. And masks can do it, but you shouldn't just do it with all 20 playbooks sitting there in a stack.
1: Yeah. And this is part of your kind of like larger program to pump out content for people who are looking for, like, kind of this stop-back-and-roll audience, is why I'm bringing it up, Um, the kind of stuff that people are, like, the stop-back-and-roll community is looking for that isn't either a written content on G+, or somewhere that is kind of, like, dying and falling apart, or, like, in a podcast, which is Mm -hmm. the best, and probably (laughs) the greatest place to listen to content, but also is, like, you've got to be able to, like... I don't know. People, it's longer form. These episodes are an hour or so on. Yeah. If you can make like a really tight 10, 15 minute YouTube video, it's a different way. People like different kinds of things. And so you're doing that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that uh, the indie RPG community has only a couple of ways to kind of get into it. And I think it one way that would be really great to get a lot of potential new people is to get onto YouTube and get people onto like yeah. a hustle of being on YouTube. I've got this obsession now with like tabletop hashtag TTRPG hustle of just like putting (laughs) aside some of like the ideas of like everything needs to be DIY everything needs to be like a printed zine that you did from your printer and like hey it's okay for us to use videos hey it's okay for us to like you can buy like it's not a bad thing to buy like a $20 beauty light so that your YouTube video looks amazing like yeah that's okay and yeah I think that we've kind of gotten into a bit of a slump in the indie RPG space that, that like prevents a lot of people from getting into it because not because the cost of entry is too high, but because there's no like clear path to, to being someone who can make any money in the field.
1: But also if we're just, even if we're just talking about playing, yeah, like who, how many people are going to genuinely run into Google plus? And Mm -hmm. find the Google Plus community. Yeah. Like everyone kind of like the traditional way is either you had that one friend whose parents played back in the day, and so they like they they bought you a book and you all got together in high school or something like that. Or you found a college group that was advertising. But once you're past that period, like you're probably going to a random or or say you play, but you're but you can't don't have a local group, like the number of ways that you can find into the community to play are pretty small and yeah. pretty hidden away because they're in a local gaming store or they're on G plus or whatever. And like, there are millions of people on YouTube.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think it's nice to have some short form content. Like I love listening to podcasts. I listen to podcasts all day, but yeah. sometimes it's nice to sit down and go like, Oh, 15 minutes. Uh, realistically seven and a half minutes. Cause I'm always on two times speed on YouTube. <laughs> uh, but you know? That's I can, ridiculous. No, sometimes speed is fine. It's not that fast. Most people don't talk that quickly. You can probably only listen to me at like one and a half speed, because I go pretty quick. Uh but like you know, just getting some actual content in that short amount of time because it's just different, right? Like it's a different sort of setup.
1: Yeah. I mean that's it's cool. So go check out Brandon. Uh we'll link to his YouTube channel somewhere yeah uh, it'll probably be on Twitter, so it's or it is a we'll all all Twitter <laughs> yeah, we'll find some way to let you know. um and uh, I hope that you continue doing that. You're kind of inspiring me to think about what if I were gonna make YouTube videos, what would yeah, they look James, like do it do it do it. and so uh, I'm only we'll
0: see I'm only I've started like two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, more or less, and I'm only nine hundred and forty nine subscribers away from monetization. <laughs> so like, <laughs> Yeah. I'm on that path. <laughs>
1: yep. On the path. Doing the thing. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about the topic for this episode. I want to talk about um I've been kind of struggling to think of a correct word for this. Okay. But like I'm I'm gonna tentatively coin the term action framework. Okay. Which is to say how at any given point during an RPG, how do you know what is happening, or, or or like like you not not how do you know what's happening, but like how do you know what is going to happen next? Okay. Um, yeah. Um. And and so for the simplest way, the simplest explanation of this for is for to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dra- dungeons and dragons has an incredibly simple and upfront. Action framework. Okay, you have like you are sort of free form talking through stuff um, for the like role playing aspects of Dungeons and Dragons. But once you get into an actual conflict, where you're sort of having these more where where sort of that action economy matters a little bit more, um, at least for D anD D because that's the kind of game that it's into. Uh, you roll initiative. Everyone goes onto an initiative tracker and. And then the way you know what is happening is that everyone has a set number of actions or or whatever attacks they can take. And so, like, I'll, if say I roll higher in, in the initiative track than you, uh, and there's a monster between us, so it'll be comp to my turn because I have the highest initiative. Yeah. So I get to go first. The framework says you rolled the highest in the initiative track, you go first. You get. An action or an a half, whatever it's two actions an action and two half actions, something like that, and then some an number action. of free actions. I haven't played d d in a long time, but so basically like i go I go first, I do an attack, the attack result like i like I declare an attack mm-hmm. I roll, we resolve the attack. the attack doesn't lead into anything else, but it doesn't need to, yeah because the the framework of the action says. It doesn't matter like uh, story-wise who's going next because the monster rolled the next highest initiative, so it's going to go next. Yeah. So then it does its series of attacks, and then its turn ends, and you go next. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's different from something like Masks. I'm just going to continue using Masks as an example for everything because it's a game that I live in so much. We play but so this much is, Masks. Oh, my God. But this is true of... Of most PPTA games, which is where you don't have an initiative tracker, and kind of the... And, and so, and on first glance, at, at first look, there is this sense of, like, there's no flow in the system. Because there's no rigid framework saying, you go, and then you go, and then you go. But in practice, there is a framework. It's just built into the individual actions you take. It's what people who right PPTA games refer to as the sort of the snowball of moves. Yes. So I roll to directly engage a threat mm-hmm. and then based off of that roll, something happens. If I roll poorly, the, the, some, the, the, the GM gets to make a move. If I roll well, then an action happens. I get to resist and avoid their blows. I get to take something from them. I get to create an opportunity. If I choose to create an opportunity, well, then I get to, then then there's an ally who gets to take an action. The story says, because of the way that you did this, tell the story of how one of your allies has an opportunity to move. And then yeah. they get to choose an action. And so then they're gonna maybe unleash their powers to uh, crack the floor or whatever. Yeah. And so they're going to... Unleash their powers. They're going to make that roll and, and then and follow through on that move. and And I think that this is an important thing to talk about because, as cause, at least because PBTA is huge, but I feel like this is a a a movement in indie gaming is that we are sort of stepping away from that very rigid framework. Yeah. Of here's the initiative list. You guys go in this order. It doesn't matter what you do if I punch this this guy, he's going to always go three turns later. Yeah. He's not going to suddenly get mad that I punched him and go next. Yeah, exactly. That's not going to happen. That's not how this works. Yeah. And, we, and we're moving away from that. And and a lot of the narrative games have moved to this more narrative framework. And something that I think that is a a dividing line between games that I would consider really good pbta games mm-hmm. and games that are just like passable yeah are where that that move snowball although I kind of hate the term snowball <laughs> um happens yeah. really well where like literally every move has some action that leads out of it
0: yeah absolutely which ideally like in terms of philosophy that tends to be written in Every single g m section of every single game is there should always be something right, yeah, like and that that is something that that every single game says, and then does every single game follow through with uh not necessarily uh, but I think that 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 you're absolutely right that that the best mark of a good p b t a game is. Does it cascade? Does it snowball? Does the conversation keep going? Do we know clearly what actions are going to start happening next? Like, is there in, in PBTA, there isn't space for the lull, right? Yeah, You can have the lull in a DD and d campaign where everyone is just kind of like pausing and looking at each other and going, okay, but ideally in PBTA, you're pushed on to the next thing by yourself, mm-hmm. by your playbook, by the moves, by the GM.
1: But also, I think that that, I don't, and I don't necessarily think that that is the wrong way to do. Like, I don't think that the way that Dungeons & Dragons does it is wrong. No, it's because just Because there is a, I think that an interesting thing is because, like, so, yes, Dungeons & Dragons has skill checks. Yeah. And yes, some of those skills are social. But largely, Dungeons & Dragons is a game that is interested in tactical combat. Yeah. Even the games that are less focused, like, 4th fourth ed, fourth ed is, like, super focused on that. Yeah. But, like, even 5th Ed and some of the other editions that are a little bit more interested in doing, in trying to mechanize some of their stuff, those are mechanized in a way that is similar to the way it mechanizes combat. Yeah. Not the other way around. Exactly. In, in like, PBTA, like, in masks, combat in masks is mechanized exactly the way that it mechanizes social conflict. <laughs> Like it's the directly so, engage yeah, threat move is a lot more like the pers- provoke someone move, yeah, or the comfort and support move than it is like an attack move. Yeah, it is, and so I think that there is a the there is a there is a in Dungeons and Dragons there is a very rigid framework that you enter into, and that is a very mental energy intensive period of time. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you enter combat, you roll initiative. Everyone is suddenly thinking very tactically. They're thinking about what their characters would be doing. They're trying to keep track of where all these things, like if you're not playing with minis, especially you're trying to remember where all these things are. You're trying to remember how many spells you have left. And that is a, that is a very uh, brain energy heavy period of time. Yeah. So that when it ends, you leave that energy, that action framework. And now you're in this sort of like free form play through and talk through the sort of theater of the mind to figure out where you're going next. And it's right. fine that that's much less mechanized because as soon as you hit the combat you're, gonna you're going dive back into this highly structured thing. Absolutely. Whereas whereas like PBTA sort of tries to frame everything in this move thing yeah. and so it's it's easier for it to keep that going the whole time because nothing is nearly as intensive. Nobody is like, I mean, like in masks... The Nova is managing its uh, their burn, but that's yeah. <laughs> that's not really the same as tracking arrows and how many hit points and how much armor and stuff you've got left.
0: Yeah, that's so simplistic. Like even if you even if you took every playbook move that like requires a lot of pre-planning and thought, yeah. You'd be like, oh, I'm a Nova and I get cool abilities, a la Janice. And that is it. <laughs> Yeah, like there's nothing to get track of.
1: Yeah, and so I think that I think w- where I want to go with this, like my my the end of my thought okay. here, and then we can kind of discuss this more further, is that I, I I hear people say all the time that like the thing that is that is is interesting about PBTA and like what it does differently than anything else is that it's it's interested in conflict resolution versus like task resolution or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, where the idea is that, like, D&D is very interested in whether or not you did the thing. Yeah. And if you didn't do the thing, it's fine saying you didn't. Yeah. And there's no, there isn't necessarily a repercussion of that. Yeah, absolutely. You Um, you try to pick the lock,
0: and it doesn't work.
1: And there wasn't a lock problem. Like, there wasn't a trap. You just didn't pick the lock. You just didn't pick the lock. Versus PBTA, which is very, like, um, is, is, first of all, most of the moves all say, even if you roll poorly, the GM may say you succeeded anyway. Yeah. Uh, or, say, you always succeed, but with, a, with a, a negative. And so I think there is this mentality that PBTA games are about character success. Mm. And I want to push back on that. Yeah. And say that PBTA games are about flow of action. Yes. Like, the reason why it's okay for D&D to have a lockpick skill test that when you fail, nothing happens, is because you don't need to know what happens next. Yeah. Because there is an action framework that says, you failed your test, this next guy's gonna go too.
0: Yeah. Or this is a moment that we don't really care about that much, and you yeah. go, I failed. I guess I'll take 10. And yeah. you do it.
1: Yeah. There's yeah. another mechanic to get you through it, or, or you say this is a lock that can't be picked, and you turn yeah. around and try something different. Yeah. Like, there's... The game is, and when you're, and so when you're in combat, if you fail, then there is the framework that pushes the story forward. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the the mechanic of the attack is not responsible for pushing the story because we already
0: know what that next event is going to be. That next event is going to be the next person in initiative.
1: Yeah, whether you succeed or fail, yeah, the next event in the action framework is the next person going. Okay, cool. I like this.
0: I'm I'm in, I'm really invested. I. Partway through this, I like perked up. I don't know if you visibly saw it. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was like, oh, yeah.
1: okay. Yeah, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Because in masks, there is no large, like in PBTA games and in masks specifically, there is no larger action framework that says you're gonna go and then you're yeah. gonna go. And it doesn't matter what happens. Mm-hmm. The actions uh, are like, the resolutions matter because they drive the next story. And so I think that a lot of game designers do design PBTA games to have perpetual success because that makes for interesting stories. Your players Mm -hmm. have said, this is the thing that I want to do. So if you're going to let the move decide what happens next, why not let it decide to do the thing that the player wanted to do?
0: Yeah. And I think, I think there's also some confusion about like some of the uh, GM agenda stuff Mm -hmm. that it has like, be a fan of the player. And it's just like, you know, don't, most of them say, like, hey, don't make your players look like, you know, silly, nonsense, slapstick characters. Make them look yeah. like cool heroes. And I think people sometimes think that that those are the only two options. And that if they're failing at anything because of their own actions or because of the actions of someone else, that they aren't being the cool, amazing heroes. And that's a shame because failure can rock. Failure can be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, there are... Um if you if you want to see, I mean, this is like not necessarily a thing for everyone, mm-hmm. but the John Wick series of movies mm. yeah. is a great example of movies where the main character is essentially a superhero. Yeah. He is a gun-based superhero, but he's a superhero. Mm-hmm. But he fails all the time. He gets hit by cars. He His guns jam. But at every point, whenever his gun jams, he can turn around and he's got another gun hidden somewhere. Because whatever move says he like he, his GM asks him to roll the does your gun jam move and he rolls <laughs> badly and so it does and so then he's got to discard that gun because he doesn't have time to fix the jam so he's got to find a different gun and the gun and the and the move probably says pull out a second gun that you had hidden away <laughs> he's got uh, adventuring gear that is just guns.
0: Yeah. It's the ammo from Dungeon World, but it is guns. Yeah. Um, I actually just watched Fast and the Furious again last mm-hmm. night. That movie did not age well, but yeah. it sure as heck lives up to itself. Like, yeah. it's so good. Um, That's good. that's a slight aside. I'm just so thrilled with how much I enjoyed it still. Yeah. um, Well, cringing every, like, five minutes. Uh, But, you're absolutely right. The There is no reason that your awesome heroes can't fail at stuff. And Mm -hmm. like some of those fail moments are really big ones. But I think that what's really important when deciding when to have players fail is making sure that there is a next step to it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think that's where PBTA really like shines. And I think that's maybe why the GM moves are so important and so useful. Mm -hmm. Because if they, like, if you fail to pick a lock in Dungeon World, and nothing happens, then you're not following the rules of Dungeon World as the GM, because you didn't make a move.
1: Yeah. And, like, yeah, you
0: yeah. you could be like, yeah, you open the door, and there are monsters there, and that's a fine move. You're successful in opening the thing. But there's no reason you also couldn't say, like, yeah, you try to pick it, and you fail to do so, and also this cool thing happens.
1: Yeah. Right? <clears throat> yeah, it triggers and unlocks... You, first of all, your lockpick breaks yeah, off definitely. in the door. Snap. And also the whole door handle rotates and another secret door behind you opens. Yeah. And it's not the way that you intended to go, but it's a different way.
0: Yeah. Uh, or you you try to open it and bursts of flame shoot directly into your face.
1: Yeah. 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 Because, again, there's no framework for the action in a PPTA game. Yeah. And so the only thing that leads you to the next thing is the move. And Mm -hmm. so that move is going to tell you what to do next.
0: And if nothing happens, then (laughs) then that's kind of a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, And theoretically, there should always be something that happens, right? Like on a 10 plus, on a seven to nine, something should happen because it's written into the actual move. And on a six minus, no matter what, there should be a GM move involved. And like, Masks is obviously our kind of go-to example, but like, even if if you're punching someone in masks, and you are successful, the GM is required at that moment to make a move. If the GM is following the rules, they will mark a condition on their enemy, on their villain, yeah, and then make a move and do something cool that progresses the plot line along.
1: Yeah, and even even on so you have like I I, I would say like roughly the masks moves like. Uh, basic moves all kind of line up into two categories or, or whatever. Um, into two categories of like action focused moves, or like uh, there's the like, yeah. question focused moves where you're mm-hmm. like just asking and gathering information. Yeah. But if you look at all of the questions, like assess the, situ- assess the situation, the questions you get to ask are like, what here could I use to blank? Yeah. So you're going to describe an action that you would like to do, and the GM's going to tell you what here you could use to do that. So following out of that, like, there's the action you get to do. Yeah. Or, like, what is the biggest threat? Who's in the greatest danger? What's Who's the most vulnerable to me? Yeah. Those are all, like, things to attack, things to save, things to protect. Or, like, how can we best end this quickly? That is straight up, what should I do next? <laughs> like, yeah. if you are in combat and you don't know what to do next, roll assess. assess the situation because mm-hmm. one of the questions is literally, hey, GM, what should I do next?
0: Yeah. And, like, that is exactly what PBTA should be doing. Like, that is one of the things that has been the most fun in setting up passion is going like, Hey, do all of these questions, do all of these results suggest a next thing to do or put the, give the ball to a player to do something with. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's really what it is. It's passing the ball around. It's, it's kind of like PPTA moves should work as a talking stick that yeah. somebody gets the talking stick when, when the role is made and who gets yeah. the talking stick kind of is affected by what role is done.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I have kind of said, like, or at least thought, um, in passing, is that like a really good PBCA game is different to GM than a really good Dungeons and Dragons game, yeah. Because mm-hmm. in a Dungeons and Dragons game, or in a game that uses initiative like that, the GM, like, a lot of the play for the GM is putting together the story. It's in yeah. the prep. When they're when they're running the game, though, they are like. They're they're on a performance. They are they are playing all of these different things. They're moving all of these pieces around, and that is itself enjoyable. Yeah. But, in it, but but they are in control of a lot of the scenario. Yeah. And versus if you're GMing a PBTA game like Masks, the perfect in a perfect world, once you initiate the bad guy or initiate anything, mm-hmm. like once you initiate the first action every action that happens in that session should flow naturally out of that first action. Yes. So you were literally like hands up. I don't have to do anything. Like these actions are just going to go. Yeah. All they need to do is speak as the villain every once in a while. And if somebody rolls badly, do a move. Yeah. And sometimes even
0: just like by following the rules of when you need to make a move, cool stuff can happen. Um. can mm-hmm. I use an example from Latin explosion? Sure. Okay. So, uh, mildish, super mild, spoiler for Latin Explosion, uh, episode two, we had a character who was doing psychic nonsense in the head of a villain, Uh, and so she made the roll, tried to do it, and rolled a six minus. Now, I had obviously options, I've got my GM moves list in front of me, Uh, but I didn't want to just go like, hey, you get into her head and half get the result that you were hoping for, because that's not a six minus that's a seven to nine. So instead I, in that moment was like, Oh, she touches her ear and you can see that she's got an earpiece in and it's like blinking red a little bit because she has a thought blocker, like a specific piece of technology that prevents your telepathy. (laughs) And that doesn't make the villain. That doesn't make that doesn't make the hero less powerful or cool. Like, she is still super powerful, super cool, super awesome. Like, I didn't undermine the character and make the character a silly slapstick nonsense character. Instead, I made the villain, like, harder and made it so that there is now a technology in the world, I guess, that is little things that go in your ear that stop telepaths. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, that's now a thing that exists that I had no plans for. I did not intend for this character to be immune to, to telepathy. Yeah. But the six minus came up, and it was like, okay here's a move I can use, and went with that. And then, and, it pr- it- and then like, from there, because the Ear is going off, we're able to have movement forward. It's not that nothing happens. Like, yeah. if it was just like, oh, it's blocked, or, oh, you failed at it, then nothing happens. With that, yeah. it was able to go, there's a telepath in here. Find them. Kill them.
1: And also, if you still want to try to get into this person's head, well, now there's a physical object that you know is assisting them preventing you. Yeah. So go get that physical object stop them from having it.
0: Yes, so you have to deal with, like, First, you have to deal with the guards coming up and trying to find you. And then after that, we know another thing you're going to try to do, which is get that thing out of her ear.
1: Yeah. Which is also great because if you know the masks moves, Mm -hmm. one of the things you do with directly engage a threat is take something from someone. Yes. So that sure sounds like a thing you could take from someone.
0: I was so thrilled when I made that move. That is one of my like crowning moves right there that I was like, oh, chef kiss. Yeah. 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 And I think that <laughs> that is,
1: I think that is the distinction. Like, I think that because the game is doing a lot of the lifting for you, like the game mm-hmm. designer, like you as a game designer designing a PBTA game, should be thinking about what, like, whenever this move, fin- like, like I think that this is, this is like to, to use a, a programming analogy, if uh, and, and and hang with me because I don't actually program that much, but like, <laughs> good because I don't either, like. But the way the moves are laid out is, like, there is a trigger. There is a thing that initiates the move that starts running the program. And then you run through the program of what the move says. You are directly engaging a threat. So you roll the move. It tells you to roll plus danger. And then it tells you what the results of those actions are. And at the end, if you just leave it with no resolution or no... Like, if it just ends and nothing, and doesn't push the code further to the next bit of the story, then, like, it just, it, what? It, like, has a leak, like, a memory leak of something, mm. like, happens badly because now the characters are just kind of going, oh, well, like, I guess one of us needs to figure out what the next thing to do is. Like, yeah. And then you have that downbeat moment. And maybe you want those moments. And so you could, pro- maybe, maybe you want to, like, emphasize the like your what is your social like equi- like if you were making a game and you have a social comfort and support move yeah and you really want to foc- like focus on that whenever mm-hmm. you're, one of your characters like maybe you're pl- making a masks monster hearts style like teenage game yeah. and you really want to draw attention to the fact that uh, uh, you want to draw attention to whenever characters are supporting each other or uh, connecting emotionally if you if you make that move so at the end it just bails you out and there's nothing happening next, well, that's going to really emphasize that moment because there will be this beat of everyone going, oh, okay, the move's over. And think about what just happened in order to think about what to do next. Yeah. And if everything else always pushes you on and on and on and on and on, well, then every time you hit that comfort and support move, there's going to be this pause and that's going to put emphasis on that. Yeah, which...
0: In, in masks, actually, there is a little bit of that with the comfort and support move, which may have been exactly what you are, why you're referring to it, that it has the clause of if they open up to you, then X, Y, or Z happens. Yeah. If they don't open up to you, there's no stated result. But, like, you just tried to open your heart to them, and they were like, no. And yeah. that that propels the action. And if it doesn't propel the action... Uh, you know the other time that you make GM moves other than uh, than misses? When
1: nothing's happening.
0: Golden opportunities, exactly. Like yep. the, when nothing is happening, when there is a thing that is just so obvious that you have to do, then that's when you go. And so yeah. the moment that they don't open up, that is a great opportunity for like, hey, there's the move, bring them together. Uh, two characters just had a really tense scene where one of them tried to comfort the other and the other kind of like snapped at them. Uh that's a great time for the rest of the team to arrive with the milkshakes that they were ordering. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just like really yeah. hammer that teenage moment. Now I have the basic moves for the GM pulled up. I love this list.
1: <sighs> yeah, and I think that I think that there is a uh, I think this this idea speaks to so many things, which is why I wanted to do this episode because yeah. like it speaks to what you should focus on as a designer if you are designing a PBTA game. Or really I'm I'm gonna be honest, any game. Yeah. Because even if you aren't making a PBTA move or a game. Even if you aren't making a even if you are making a game that has an action framework. Mm-hmm. Think about what, uh, like, what is the thing that initiates the action of your, your like, at any given moment, what, is a player, what are any of the players doing? Yeah. What is the thing that initiates that action? What is the thing that happens after the character resolves the action? What pushes you to the next story beat? Because that should always be the goal. Because otherwise, that should always be the goal. But I think stop. this also speaks to, like, people who have fears of GMing. And I would say, like, go and find a game like Masks that is well designed, where the game is going to do a lot of the lifting. It doesn't have an action framework. So you're not responsible for managing this, like, multi piece system. Yeah. All you're doing is giving the dominoes a push and watching while they fall. Because really, in Masks, there's just a table full of players. The person who is the MC is just the player who gets to play more than the other players. Yeah because it's like that moment when you roll, like when someone is doing a direct against a threat and they roll well, and they choose a create an opportunity for your ally, there's that moment where you say, I've created an opportunity, who wants to take this opportunity and what are you going to do? And yeah. then everyone kind of thinks about, is it me? Is it me? Blah, blah, blah. But, that, but there are also these built-in systems where like anytime you roll lower than a six or anytime other, some other things happen, like anytime you ask a question, mm-hmm. that's the same thing as who wants to take this opportunity it's yeah. just the answer is always the GM. <laughs> so you just get to play more than anybody else.
0: Yeah. Actually, you know what is occurring to me that we should call out real quick? Hey, uh, this came out the day after GM's Day. Uh, so yeah. happy GM's Day to all our GMs. Yeah. <laughs> so So when... Hmm. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. Is there an acceptable time... For there to not be a clear idea of what comes next. Hmm. That that, that there isn't a where do we go from here. That there is the where do we go from here moment. That all the players and everybody are looking around and going like, woof, what happens now? And maybe kind of connected to that, what does happen now? Like, is there a (laughs) good solution? Is there a good place for it? Yeah. I have a thought or two, but... I just wanted to pose it out loud.
1: Yeah, I think I think, I think, think the answer is yes. Yeah. But that's fine. Why don't you go through your thoughts, and then I will pretend to have always had some. Oh, no,
0: you've always had them. Uh, yeah. I see you writing down right now yes. your thoughts, and you've yep. slipped them into an envelope. Yep. And, and uh, I've licked and sealed it. I'm looking forward to see hearing you open the envelope, and okay. uh, tell us about it. So, uh... <laughs> So I think that there are two really big times that are ideal for no one to know what happens next and there to be no positive forward movement, right? And those are at the end of a session with like a wild cliffhanger, or when everything is you're now he's actually sealing an envelope.
1: <laughs> I was always sealing an envelope. <laughs> he was
0: always sealing an envelope. Um at the end of a session with like a big cliffhanger, or if things have hit a low, that there's no way for the heroes to get out of it on their own. And I, I think that there's re- two really different ways to go with this. Uh, on a cliffhanger, I think you you leave it. And if it is a cliffhanger where it's the immediate response is what's important, then... Next, then next time you get back together, you jump right back into that moment. But I think there's nothing wrong with having, like, like the, the X-Men are sitting around watching TV and the big announcement comes out that mutants have been illegalized. That's a great time to end a session. And there's no obvious thing to do next. Like there's no, mm-hmm. well, then I'm going to go right to my senator. Um, just because that's not what that is, Right. Yeah. Uh, there's no clear person to go to go have a word with. So instead, you just hop forward a little bit and you say, okay, so it's a month and a half later. Here's how the world has changed. Tell me how the world has changed. Let's jump into this new thing. And I think that that's okay. That's a really cool way to take a really tense moment and show some of the consequences without having to spend a lot of time, like, arguing in the kitchen. Like, Mhm. You know, Storm and and Wolverine arguing in the kitchen is a great scene in a comic. Uh, We can only see it so many times in a Masks game. Yeah. And so, like, being able to just go, all right, let's play with time a little bit, I think is a really neat way to get around those slow moments. And I think that's true also for, like, the players have lost. You know, things got really, really bad. A major, major character on their side has died. And everything is awful. And yeah, you can go forward and do the funeral if it's connected enough to the characters that it matters Mm -hmm. to do so. But you can just have that moment that's like, oh, you lost and this was bad. And then move forward.
1: It sounds like you're also saying a little bit that anytime you... It's appropriate for time to progress.
0: Yeah, I guess so. That maybe like, if there isn't an obvious thing to do next time can progress
1: mm-hmm.
0: because like some, sometimes it makes sense when it's not obvious what to do next. The villains get that as an opportunity because like if the heroes aren't doing something, the villains probably are. But if there isn't a clear villain who's right there, there isn't an opposition that's pushing right now on them, then move things forward and see where, see where things are a month from now, see where things are even a week from now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's my yeah.
0: thinking. Yeah. You've had your conversations. You've done your scene. Let's move forward.
1: Yeah. And what was, the, what was your second thing?
0: Uh, when At things have gotten like... Yeah, well... I mean, I, I guess really kind of my two examples were more similar than I realized when I first <laughs> started talking. That like, when, when you've got your good cliffhanger and when things are so bad that the heroes aren't gonna dig themselves out of it. Mm. So mm-hmm. like, the villains have taken over everything... They've got all of you captured. Everybody has rolled everything wrong. Three people have been lost out of the fight. One person is left, and there isn't. It's not super clear what to do next. And I think the thing to do then is basically give the players a binary, give the like the players involved a binary choice. Mm -hmm. Tell them like, look, you lost. Things are bad. Things are as bad as they can get, and you see two ways forward because like they're like in this scenario they're looking at you like
1: uh what now? Mhm. I think and that also that just goes back to the what are the moments that you want to emphasize in your yeah. game? Like the big reveal of a of a secret that is the cliffhanger that feels like the ending of a session yeah. you want to hit people with that and then you want that moment to like stew. And so you want there mm-hmm. to not be a move when yeah. the characters have lost, like when all of the kids in Riverdale have like really messed up something and they're not going to get out of it by being plucky teens, then like you want them to stop and think about that for a sec.
0: Cheryl Blossom can't always show up to save them. Eventually it's going to be an adult and it isn't going to be yeah as nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that key of like, when I think that I wonder. I, I wish. I wish we. I knew a little bit more about where modern D anD D was because I want. Because if D anD D is a game <laughs> where every action dumps you out into just like it just resolves cleanly, yeah, and then the action framework moves you to the next thing, then are there moves in D or are there are there actions in D anD D that you take that the the resolution does move you to the next thing? Like obviously, if you spring a trap, yeah then the next then then that leads you into the trap being sprung and everyone has to make a saving throw. Yeah. And so that is a move that is an action that resolves by leading you into the next thing to do and everyone yeah. has to do that. And so that feels like an emphasized moment because mm-hmm. the normal thing to do is just to have the thing resolve and dump you out and then you think about what to do next. Yeah. versus a game like Masks which the norm Is everything is always moving you forward, Mm -hmm. and so you emphasize things by having that stall.
0: It's been a little while since I've played D anD. d But like, I'm thinking of the moments where like a character is like push off pushed off a cliff and Mm. makes a saving throw to catch onto the ledge, and then you just move on in the initiative. Yeah, and like you've got the paladin like holding on to the edge of the cliff until their turn, and then they make. An athletics check Even and pull themselves like up. Like
1: dying, yeah. Like when you die in D anD, d you make a roll, like a saving, like a death save, yeah. And if you fail that death save, it just moves on to the next initiative, yeah. You do that three more times.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds so ridiculous when it's said out loud. I know. I feel bad about laughing right there, but like, okay, well, you uh, you did your death roll, and and then nothing's different except yeah. I guess you're a little closer to death. Yeah. So what if you, so what if you brought the, what if you brought the GM principles to D&D and you said like every failed role, the GM does something. I think that would first off make things a lot more brutal. I think that would make, that would raise the difficulty a lot.
1: Unless you really, really, really played with the dice percentages. Yeah. Well, so there, I, I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head. There is an episode of Critical Role. Yeah, I've been thinking about Critical Role because they just launched their Kickstarter today. But there is an episode of Critical Role, and you want to talk about emphasizing something where one of where I forget exactly what the scenario was, but they were they were trying to like prove themselves. It was towards the end of the first campaign, so minor spoilers. I'm going to not remember it in enough detail to really give you any real spoilers. <laughs> um, where they're trying to win over the the um, the goodwill of one of the gods. Yeah. And the gods sort of said, perform in this series of challenges. Okay, go. And Matt Mercer pulls out an hourglass and slams down the table (laughs) and says, You're not doing initiative now. Just call out actions. Yeah. And the result (laughs) that you quickly find is you have to go, Okay, what are the things I know how to do from memory? Yeah, because if I'm gonna sit here looking through this spell book to find the rules for this one spell that I used once three sessions ago, or sixteen sessions ago, then we're all gonna die. It's not gonna go fast enough. Yeah, so we've got to act fast, and so the system doesn't really support that. But it's a good moment in the system because the look of terror on everyone's face (laughs) when he does that is so good. Yeah, because he has really emphasized this sequence of events is different than every other sequence of events we've ever done so far yeah. because we're not using the traditional action framework. The action framework is now this hourglass, call out things you want to do. We're going to resolve them as fast as we can.
0: Interesting. And actually in, in kind of an interesting way, sometimes that same th- like kind of switching that up with masks and doing the opposite and putting people into an initiative order can also be really effective. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you'd want to do that for a long time, but I think there can be wonderful moments where the GM goes, like, all right, this person is falling from the sky. They are going to hit the ground and die if you do not stop someone from doing it. You're busy. You're busy. You're busy. You get to do an action. You get to do an action. Let's go. Yeah, And go from there, right?
1: Yeah, I think the other way you could do it is if you're looking for that hyper cinematic um like marvel avengers like everyone's in a circle facing off against enemies and now we're all gonna do a thing you do the like i I think it is actually the marvel um heroes some marvel hero system where you instead of going through the initiative by number or just willy-nilly you say all right you go and when you're done you say who goes next yeah yeah and then make sure you hit everyone before you go again
0: Like, honestly, I think that that could work, especially in like big crisis situations. Yeah, Uh, it's a good way to make it's a good way to make the spotlight feel like the only space of time you have before everything is going to go terribly, terribly wrong. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you have to hand it off and, you know, the next person you hand it off to might not have your same goals. And so if you don't manage it on your turn, if you do not roll well enough. Bad stuff has happened. And then through that, the GM should also be
1: making moves,
0: making things worse.
1: (laughs) So, one of the things that I liked about, uh, this is getting a little bit off topic, but one of the things that I like (laughs) about Urban Shadows is you have Unleash, which is the, the move you use as a player when you attack someone. Yeah. You also have Escape, which is the, how do you... Get out of a situation, or keep your cool. How do you get out of a, get out of a very specific like? Someone is about to shoot you. Keep your cool to not be shot. Yeah. Or and then you have the let it out, which is this sort of like really like you just need to put all of yourself into something. And so like this is my like this is it's just it's it speaks to the kind of game and the kind of story that masks want to play. But there really isn't a uh, defend yourself move. Yeah, there is like really if some villain comes at you, you've either got to attack them go on Mm -hmm. the offense or try to use your power like unleash your powers to change the situation to like throw them off their feet footing or whatever or wait for someone else to defend you because a thing that I thought was very interesting about and and I use this as I was GMing urban shadows is it means you can set off that snowball that cascade in two different ways either you have the the villains come in hot and really seize that aggro yeah. And so I'm attacking. I'm I'm a I'm a horde of vampires. I'm attacking you. What do you do? Okay, you respond, you or you keep your cool. And now you've done whatever and then anytime and so like that that whole thing is coming from I'm attacking, you're responding. Now I'm attacking again, you're responding and I'm constantly pushing you backwards. Yeah. versus or, we, I can put some people somewhere, and now you have to attack them, and now I'm just responding to all of your actions. And that, that sort of, like, dance back and forth, or the which way you frame combat, is very interesting. Yeah. And like, something that Urban Shadows lets you do, that Masks doesn't.
0: Well, yeah, with Masks, if the player doesn't decide to go on the offense at some point, the combat effectively doesn't end. Like... That's something that I feel like we hit a little bit at the beginning of Protean city mm-hmm. that like, we didn't necessarily know, Oh, I do need to punch them at some point or uh, right. Yeah. Like I need to directly engage them or it just keeps going because there isn't anything mechanically to stop them. Like you can, you can use Unleash to stop a fight. You can, you can use a whole bunch of different things to stop a fight. Yeah. But if someone, if you're just acting defensively, if you're just protecting yourself then nothing new happens and the game isn't designed to do that. Mhm. So like even like Unleash can be used defensively theoretically, but it should really be used in a way that changes the landscape of the fight on a 10 plus. Because otherwise a 10 plus means nothing happens. Like mm-hmm. getting getting your arm up and blocking the Hulk means nothing happened.
1: Right which is not super interesting.
0: No, it's not. And it's not and also
1: n- nothing should ever happen. Nothing should ever stop the Hulk and have nothing respond.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean like that would be, <laughs> there, there should be an opportunity for a response right there. Well,
1: like um, that is a moment. I mean, <laughs> speaking about that specific thing, exactly. Yeah. Is like that moment Oh, this is so perfect! <laughs> In the <laughs> Avengers: Infinity War, there is a moment when the Hulk is attacking someone, and yeah. then that, and then the, and then Thanos. I'll just say because I don't think this is a huge spoiler. Stops the Hulk's attack. Yeah, and that's the moment where the GM switches from the players are attacking and being aggressive and they're responding to now I've rolled well enough, or now they've rolled poorly enough that my character stopped their attack and now I'm attacking and they're responding. Yeah, exactly.
0: And like, it's cool to be able to set it up in a way that everything can be happening at the same time. Like yeah. if if someone makes a directly engage a threat, that isn't a single punch. That could be a couple pages of panels, even if you want it to be. Yeah. And so like that's that's also just an important feature of it. You can get people really describing things back and forth. So here is
1: the let me let me go ahead and, and open this envelope. Yeah. I will vouch that he is actually opening a sealed envelope. Wow. All right, and I've taken out this piece of paper, and it says... He did not take um, out this piece of paper. (laughs) This is totally a piece of paper. It just looks like my hand. Okay, it's got invisible ink on invisible Um, paper. the, The other place that I think it's okay to have moves stall out are when you as the GM have a clear idea... Of what the next action is, and maybe even the system has given you what the next action is, but you want to increase tension or fear or some sort of like time based emotion. Like if you are playing a horror game and yeah. the characters are running through the house from the killer and they are gonna roll to bar the door, they mm-hmm. roll badly. You describe them barring the door. So the game has said you get to make a move. And maybe one of the GM moves is, or one of the agendas is, have your villains come from unexpected places. Yeah, Because that is an agenda I would set for a horror game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) so you know that now the killer is gonna come around from the other side and come through the chimney. Like they're gonna climb through the roof, whatever. And so (laughs) you know that that's gonna happen, but the players don't know that. Yeah. But if that just happens immediately... You've sort of not taken full advantage of that that move failing yeah. what you want is that beat where they press their backs against the door to hold it and block it, and then nothing happens yes, and then nothing yes. happens, and then nothing happens and then they have to have a couple like tense lines of conversation about like do we do we look through this door like what's? Mm-hmm. What, what was the result? Of, like, even the players are going, What is? what was the result of that action? Yeah. We don't know. And it creates the emotion that you're looking for. I love doing horror games. I, I don't
0: get a chance to do them often enough. I've got my... I now have a Jenga tower that I intend to use to play a bunch of Dread and write epitaphs of my killed characters, which I'm so yeah. excited to do. But we haven't had a chance to do it yet. But I actually love using the using a couple of the basic moves from a lot of PPTA games to kind of inform my my horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Masks has uh, reveal the future subtly or directly and announce between panel threats. It's kind of the uh, uh, describe future badness from mm-hmm. Apocalypse World. Yeah. Like, you can also just say to your players, depending upon the group you've got, ideally your group, you're able to do this without them, like, you know, losing their minds and breaking all the rules. Uh, You can say to them, oh, yeah, you're holding the door shut and the player doesn't see it, but we can see in the side of the camera, we see the Slender Man like, sneaking around the outside and climbing up towards the chimney. Mm. And, like, the players might, the players will hopefully keep holding the door because they don't know anything's wrong. And you've still made a move, right? Or you can say, like, the pounding continues and continues and continues and stops. And that is announcing a future badness, right? Mm -hmm. That it stopped on its own volition. It didn't stop because of you. It's coming around, it's doing something different, and it's going to get you. And that's a great soft move to make, right? Yeah.
1: And even if it isn't a horror game, like, even if it's... Um, like like uh, anytime you want, like I, I use this a lot where I try to stall out moves where I want characters to speak to each other because it's a signal to the players to sort of like nervously ad lib. Yeah. And, and I feel like sometimes the snowball, the cascade in, in, in PPTA can kind of yeah. push past conversation. That's all so If I clearly know what's going to happen next, because like something just happened, and so that means I get to make a move, and I know what that next move is, maybe I'll pause for a second to yeah. let them have nervous conversation, or, oh, like we were we just kissed, and then we fought this villain for two minutes, and now they've just disappeared in a puff of smoke. They're going to be back, but like now we're just alone in this warehouse and we yeah. have to confront the fact that we just kissed.
0: Yeah. That can be a great thing to do. Giving like giving them a little bit of space can be a move
1: as long as like you know
0: you're making it you're making it a little uh you're making it so that something happens,
1: right? Yeah. As long as you know what's going to happen next and you maybe even have a trigger for that.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at the different options. Activate the downsides of their abilities and relationships is one of the moves for GMs. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, the fact that the two characters just kissed, one downside of that relationship is that they might, like, you know, maybe they haven't talked about it. Maybe they don't understand it yet. Maybe they're in an awkward situation. That is 100% making that move. Yeah. Uh, but you as the GM can and should lampshade that. They, you should not just go like, and then the threat is gone. Because that doesn't say anything like you can say like the threat is gone and we just get a panel that shows the two of you like standing back to back in the middle of this huge empty warehouse and like your hands are almost touching. What
1: do you do? Oh, God, that's so good.
0: Hands almost touching is the best.
1: I just like the two <laughs> characters back to back like yeah, they're making it. physical contact and they weren't thinking about it because they're just in combat. And so, it's yeah, they're like their hero. uh Instincts speaking, in. And then suddenly, like, oh, two people standing back-to-back back is kind of really weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> Not in the context of, of combat.
0: When you're not fighting someone, that's a super, super weird way to stand. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe that just means that we as a society need to come together and stand back-to-back back more often. Yeah. As yeah. we have conversations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Expose your good. back to someone else's back. <laughs> this <laughs> is not, I think, what I meant, but... <laughs>
0: Gonna leave that in. We want crop tops and people back to back. Yep. (laughs) Just make sure that part of your back is pressing against someone else's part of their back. Yep. Yep. That's the way to do conversations now. So, moving on from that.
1: (laughs) I think we need to end this episode before it gets any weirder. Oh my god. (laughs) tell us how you feel about this. If you know of any, like, I know that... Um, Blades of the Dark has some cool action framework stuff because it has flashbacks and these sort of, like, these moments, like, it has very, like, formulaic, like, now we're doing the heist kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, like, hit us up with other interesting things, other interesting frameworks, or interesting moves that, that stall out or lead into other moves. Um, one of the best places to find us is on Twitter. We are together at Stop Back and Roll, and I am individually at And the Meltdowns,
0: And I'm at Dr. Captain Cobold. You can find all of our websites and links to some of the games we've been working on at www.stophackandroll.com.
1: You can email us if you want to write some more long-form stuff at either james or brandon at stophackandroll.com.
0: If you would like to help other people find the show, one really great way to help us out is to tell people about it or rate and review us on iTunes. The algorithms are set up so that five-star ratings are super, super helpful.
1: Yep, helps people find us. Um, we make this podcast, as well as our other podcasts, with the support of our Patreons. Our Patreon patrons. Um, we didn't get any new backers this month, but that means we get used to thank more uh, of our old favorites, like Mitch Moore, Evan Nyquist, Troy Pitchelman, Panic Productions, Acuzome, the It You Trash Crew, Refined Ursine, and Greg Walters. If you'd like to help support this show and future shows, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash stophackandroll.
0: If you can't support us financially, support our community by being a part of it. We have so many awesome discussions that go down in our Discord, games being made, ideas being expanded, Uh, we have a new food channel, which has been a lot of fun, Uh, and that Discord is at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stophackandroll.com
1: yeah and you have just listed the url for our discord which means it's time to trigger my end of episode move which is i'm going to roll some dice and then say the words don't forget to stop hack and roll